Dr. Judith Herman, and I am a professor of psychiatry part-time because I'm semi-retired at Harvard Medical School. Um, I'm formerly the training director and founder of, co-founder of the Victims of Violence Program at Cambridge Hospital. You also just gave an incredible keynote, right? I gave a, a keynote at the uh, ISTSS uh, 35th annual meeting. So as a part of the Beyond the Room initiative, I'm hoping you could uh, answer for some of the people who weren't able to attend. Mm -hmm. What do people who are survivors of sexual violence want when it comes to justice? Well, um, based on my uh, interviews with now 23 survivors of sexual and domestic violence, men, women, from various... um, uh, parts of the country and ethnic groups. Uh, What the unanimous agreement seems to be that survivors want acknowledgement, first of all, acknowledgement of facts, acknowledgement of harm, and acknowledgement not mainly or um, uh, only from the perpetrators, but from the bystanders, from the community, that they want uh, the community to know and to uh, validate what they have suffered and to denounce the crimes that have been committed against them. They want the burden of shame to be lifted from their shoulders and placed where it belongs. Mm-hmm. Would you say this might go beyond what people talk about with the concept of restorative justice? I think, the yes, I, I, I think so. I mean, I, I, the restorative justice movement really began as an offender-oriented um, movement that um, was trying to look at the uh, another way to deal with offenses besides resorting to punishment. Um, and so the many of the methods that have been developed have to do with the the goal of victim-offender reconciliation. Mm. It's not mediation. They make that distinction clear. It's because um, there, is an, there is a responsible party who has to accept responsibility. But the focus is not on punishment, but rather on trying to repair the harm. Mm. Um, the problem is that the voice of victims came into that movement only belatedly mm. and sort of secondarily. And so the agenda of reconciliation and forgiveness is not really necessarily what the survivors I've spoken to uh, most want. Mm. Um, I, some, some survivors will say that if they believe, truly believe, that the offender's were genuinely remorseful and genuinely took full responsibility for their actions and were willing to do whatever they could to make amends and that that would be wonderful and that then forgiveness would come spontaneously. But to have forgiveness as an agenda, no, Mm -hmm. no, that that, that, that has to follow the effort of the offender to really make amends. And so, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, that's still a very rare 
event mm-hmm. um, for most survivors. The, you know, the 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 uh, crimes were committed as part of a relationship of dominance and subordination, and and as an expression of entitlement, really, um, mm-hmm. to 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 service to subordination, um, and and unless that entitlement is explicitly challenged and renounced, um, then to pressure the victim for forgiveness is really kind of a second injury. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested. You also spoke about how there's a myth, right, about how uh, men who might perpetrate uh, domestic or sexual uh, violence are doing so from a place of anger when it's actually, as you just mentioned, like a, from a place of power. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also curious, in your interviews, uh, did you talk to anybody who was a part of a same-sex relationship and what dynamics uh, might have been explored or come up uh, there? I'm trying to think. Um, I think one or two. Um, and there, I think, you know, when you have exploitation uh, which unfortunately happens in same-sex relationships also um, you you have the, a, a very divided loyalty because if you're part of an oppressed group and you are at, within the oppressed group uh, one uh, one person is sub- inflicting violence on another. There's the, the whole issue about do you expose the perpetrator when um, you will th- then just be bringing more shame and punishment on your oppressed group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so those issues come up as well. Okay. As they do certainly within... African American communities or Native American communities, minority communities, where um, you know where the justice system is all too ready to um, to punish severely, and where you don't want to bring that that kind of oppression on um, mm. someone you know intimately. Yeah, it sounds like there's a fear that in seeking acknowledgement you also might kind of further maybe state-based or Mm -hmm. violence and abuse on these people close to you. Exactly, exactly. And it's a further further reason for silencing victims Mm -hmm. and for shaming victims when they come forward. You know, you're just going to bring the man down on us and, Mm -hmm. you know, what? So you're you're being disloyal to the, the group, you know. Okay. And then in that same vein, maybe a little different, uh, there's that common refrain that uh, hurt people hurt people. And I'm curious how you feel about that. I don't think the data bear it out. I okay. think most survivors do not become abusers. Mm-hmm. Um, and most abusers, by the way, are not necessarily survivors. Mm-hmm. There's a, it's, it's one of these um, urban legends that you just, no matter how much data you have, you, it's, I think it, it's perpetuated in our, profession because everybody has seen families where there's multi-generational abuse 
And so you think, you know, abusers are uh, victims are just going to grow up to be abusers. But in fact, most victims don't, um, whether male or female, um, by the way. I mean, there it, it is true that there's a somewhat higher risk that abused kids will become abusers, especially abused boys. Mm. But most do not. Mm. And we really have, it's really unfair to survivors to burden them with that ex, that expectation in a way um, mm. that because they, they're so scared themselves that, you know, that might, I mean, oftentimes if they're having children, they are so, um, uh, Determined that this is not going to happen to the, you know, that their children are going to have a different kind of life from what they grew up with. Really powerful. And just in closing, is there any takeaway that you'd hope people left your talk with? Well, just that it might be time to really re envision justice. Um, as we think of it ordinarily and, and really consult victims about what they would really want and wish for. Thank you so much. My pleasure.